Today's reading is from the Gospel of Mark. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. So he went with them, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, the hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house, the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha, kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Vicki. Uh, grace and peace to all of you gathered here today and to everyone online, wherever uh, this service is finding you today. I want to begin um, by asking you to think back to September 12, 2009. What was going on with you then? Either write down or maybe you just want to mull that over as much as you can remember about your life and the world back then. 
Couldn't she have waited one more day? Jesus stepped out of the boat and nearly trips over Jairus, a predominant leader who runs and bends down, crying at Jesus' feet, begging him to heal his little girl. Without even a minute to consider, Jesus' disciples and Jesus head to Jairus' house. Mark tells us the crowd is pressing against Jesus as he swiftly walks. So many people want to be close to him. To follow every move, there is no personal space. Jesus can't even see what's ahead of him, and all of a sudden he shudders. Something touched him, and he felt it. He speaks even before thinking, someone just touched me, who was it? How could anyone know when he is packed in a swarm of people? No one came forward when Jesus asked this question. And then there was movement. Someone, a woman, came and bowed down at Jesus' feet. And Mark writes, told Jesus the whole truth. The whole truth. I don't think this was her elevator speech. This was the whole truth of how she had suffered chronically for 12 years, spent every penny she had in search of healing, and then the grind of every failed attempt took its toll. And because she had been bleeding, no one would come close to her. She was considered untouchable, unclean, unlovable. And so she has been isolated and away from the people, places, and community that she needed to give her life. She couldn't just say, oh, I'm better now, I'm healed. She had to tell the whole truth. And Jesus listened, and so did the people pressed around him. And all of it took time. Time away from getting to this very sick little girl. You could see the agonizing sweat on Jairus' forehead. Okay, Jesus, this has taken too long. Can you step it up and get to my daughter? It was too late. News came that the little girl had already died. One healing interrupted by another. Why did Jesus stop to hear her story and why did she tell it when another priority demanded his immediate attention? Jesus overhears all of that, looks at Jairus straight in the eye and says, do not fear, only believe. What does that mean? What is there to believe? My daughter is dead. So Jesus continues to Jairus' house, enters with her parents and a few of his disciples. He finds the girl, touches her, and says, get up. She does. She's alive. She has been healed. The whole truth. We are back today in person in the sanctuary. We dabbled with it with church inside earlier this spring, and not many of you decided to join. 
We moved outside for the summer for lots of reasons so we wouldn't have capacity limits and other needs of our staff members. We haven't seen each other in this building in nearly 18 months. The world has changed and our church has changed. Connor, TJ, and Jack are now a critical, essential part of our worship team, connecting worship to the wider world, making it possible for people pretty much anywhere to be a part of our community. But we can't pretend it's all been okay and jump back with smiles, it's great to see you, and positivity, because you have endured a lot since we were last together in the sanctuary, and we have endured a lot as a community. The ones you have loved have died, and you have not been able to have the funeral you wanted or needed. Church hasn't seemed like church, you say, without the organ or the smell of a hymnal. Pastor Joel accepted a new call in Massachusetts, and we had to say a socially distanced goodbye to him and Ryan in April, and we miss him. It takes time to grieve a beloved pastor and colleague. You have lost your job. You have changed jobs. You're working from home and now maybe back in the office You have seen your kids or grandkids struggle with school and your patience to multitask Zoom meetings while the dog scratches on the door to go out and you attempt to help with sixth grade algebra while making dinner is just too much. Depression and anxiety are no longer things someone else is dealing with. Little pieces of fabric with elastic bands used to protect ourselves and others from a deadly respiratory virus have become the topic of a political conversation, whether worn or not. The call to racial equity is still here, daily work that's hard. Some people continue to feel called and find their way to confront the privileges that we all hold and many others have found other things to keep them up at night. Each of us carries stories, and they're traumatic. Trauma with a capital T, and traumas with lowercase t's. And we hold emotions about the state of the world, our neighbors, and even church. This community is filled with so many stories, different experiences and perspectives and emotions. Adam Grant, an author and thinker, writes, cultures of toxic positivity are full of pressure to show constant enthusiasm. Healthy cultures offer freedom to express unpleasant emotions. You can say you're languishing, depressed, anxious, burned out, and angry, and feel support rather than being judged. And so we knew we couldn't come back pretending that nothing really happened, that we are all okay, or at least look like that on the outside, and then jump into the next thing or go back to the way it was. And so we're taking a posture of listening this fall at Mount Olivet because we need to speak the whole truth. Several Mount Olivet members were trained to be listeners in August, 
And they've reached out to a variety of members, asking them to have a conversation to share their stories of the last 18 months. Here are the, some of the questions that have been asked. What words would you use to describe the last 18 months and why? What's been disappointing for you? What's been surprisingly hopeful? How do you think the past 18 months has prepared us to see more clearly what God is calling us to do or be as a church? In November, all of us during worship will be invited to share significant days over the last year. And from all this listening, we trust that there will be insights that will guide us to where we are called as the community and what that next thing may be. The Lilly Foundation, who generously supported my sabbatical, is also investing in Mount Olivet. We are working and beginning a story lab, a place where you can record your story. And we do this because we need to speak the whole truth. It's interesting that that woman could have snuck away because she instantly felt healing when she touched Jesus' cloak. But instead, she stayed, and she courageously spoke up. And it wasn't until the woman spoke her whole truth that Jesus declared her healing. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Speaking stories, telling the whole truth is the pathway to healing and engaging again as a church. And did you notice that this brave attempt at healing, this courageous truth-telling, delayed the healing of that little girl? Mark writes in such a way that these stories cannot be separated. They're told, woven together. This woman's story and her guts delayed Jesus from getting to that little girl more quickly. But she couldn't have waited another day because she had been sick and shut out for 12 years. September 12th of 2009 was 12 years ago. Consider how much life you have lived since then. Imagine being chronically ill since 2009. 12 years is also the age of that little girl. Too much time for the woman, too little time for the girl. And yet Jesus gets tangled up into God's healing is not a limited resource. If it comes to one, then it can't come to another. And God's healing is actually sparked. It will not be limited or pause because we're taking time to speak the whole truth. When Jesus says, believe, it means believe that your whole truth, your story matters to God. It's a part of God's healing and the future of Mount Olivet. Once this girl awakened from death, she gets up 
And Jesus simply says, give her something to eat. If the coming back to church and the telling of stories and the world as it is today feels like too much, then just go feed someone. Because we don't feed the dead, we feed the living. Make your special muffin recipe, your heavenly scotcheroos, and share them with a sign of life to someone who needs it. Donate food to PRISM, dig potatoes from the dirt in the community garden, volunteer at the community meal, whatever it is, in the midst of speaking the whole truth, to receive this healing of God, we still need to be fed. These stories are not just about healing individual people, but bringing people back into community. Because caring for each other means listening to each other, means speaking the whole truth. And this is where God's abundant life will be found. Amen.